Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter, finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. As a mentor and certified coach, I help award-winning filmmakers, professional authors, ghostwriters, songwriters, and other self-employed creatives to do the same. If you find inspiration from this podcast, I encourage you to begin the next stage of your own hero's journey. Will you resist the call to adventure? Or will you make the choice to embark on a quest of growth and fulfillment? In the description and show notes, you'll find a link to book your free 30-minute discovery session. Or you can email me, ethan at ethanfreckleton.com, including fearless storyteller in the subject. Today's guest is Angry Robot author Sean Grigsby. Sean is a professional firefighter in central Arkansas, where he writes about lasers, aliens, and guitar battles with the devil when he's not fighting dragons. He grew up on the Goosebumps books in Memphis, Tennessee, and hosts the Cosmic Dragon podcast. Sean Grigsby, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller. Hey, I am pumped to be here. This is awesome. Well, I'm, when I think about fearless storytellers, uh, you know, we were just talking before I hit record, your name came right in front and center um, as far as somebody with the mindset of being vulnerable and, and open and humorous at the same time. So it's oh, a pleasure to you. have you. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, and it's kind of um, nice being on the other end of, <laughs> of the interviews this time. It, it's a little bit more relaxed, if, if you can believe it. I can believe it. I, I remember, of course, when I was on your your podcast, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, we're going to have a good chat. And, you know, when you get into that fearless space, you don't always think about what's going to happen, though. Uh, I was aware that I had this post-nasal drip coming and I was listening back and I'm like, oh, this is my chance to prove to the world that <laughs> that's not how I talk all the time. Right. But why don't you tell the audience about yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, I'm a writer, uh, traditionally published with Angry Robot Books currently. Uh, three books with them right now. Uh, and that's uh, Smoke Eaters. Its mm. sequel, Ash Kickers, just came out July 9th, 2019. And uh, the other book I have with them is Daughters of Forgotten Light, which is a standalone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a professional firefighter other than that. And I live in central Arkansas. And hopefully you can't tell by my accent. And I don't even know if I have an accent. It's weird if you travel places, some people can kind of pick it up. And I always thought I, you know, had, uh, I don't know the term used for non-accent, I guess (laughs) Atlantic, an Atlantic accent. Uh, But it's funny, you you know, it'll come out every so often. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I imagine we all have an accent to somebody, but I get this nice sense of, uh, Americana back porch and, and that's that's kind of what I wanted to that's kind of the impression I get from your podcast too. Oh cool. And and so you so you're a professional firefighter. How long mm-hmm. have you been doing that? Almost ten years. Uh, I got hired in two thousand ten with a smaller department and in two thousand fifteen I was hired with a bigger city. And uh, so more money, more action, I thought, <laughs> I hoped, and mm-hmm. uh, more training and all the cool stuff. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it actually affords me a lot of time to write, which is great. Either, you know, the two days I'm off between shifts, 
mm-hmm. or actually at the firehouse. Um, although when I'm hot in a scene and things are going great, and I'm sitting there typing it up and oh, then no. a call comes in. It's like, I, I hate when my momentum is thrown off, but you know, yeah, I'd rather just, do that. It's just than like not having write. kids, man. Absolutely. Oh, I can't write when my kids are around. It, it, they do. They bug me. It's not. It's a good problem to have. I, I'm glad yeah, they don't just stay they, in the room. But they want your attention. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you're doing something cool. Why? I want to be a part of that. Right. And I just can't. I just can't do it. And I, you know, I have a soft heart. You know, especially toward my kids. So if they if they want me, you know, daddy, I, I just break down and do whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> well, then that's that's probably a good thing. Yeah. In the balance of it, you must get a ton of story ideas while you're on the job. You know, I do. Uh, not all of them are related to fire, um, but you see things. And mm-hmm. I actually was uh, just on a podcast, the Angry Robot podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, was talking about a camaraderie and group dynamics. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got a very good sense of how that works. And I even put it in Daughters of Forgotten Light, which has nothing to do with firefighters at all. But just seeing how certain personalities uh, either clash or meld mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, and how they get along. So yeah, totally, totally. Actually it's weird, you know, you, where you get ideas um, and I, I'm sad <laughs> and a little disappointed that I don't get asked that because <laughs> all the, you know, big famous authors have these stories of people asking them that and they, you know, yeah. Harlan Ellison had a smart ass answer about uh, he has <laughs> the service in Schenectady that he writes to and they sent him an idea and <laughs> people actually believed him. Of course they did. No, yeah. they'd be too rude not to. I, I do love Harlan Ellison. Um, so who are some of your heroes when it comes to writing? Since uh, lots, you bring it up? lots of people. Um, I mean, when growing up, I loved reading um, as most authors uh, would at least say they did. <laughs> they grew up reading, um, but I loved goosebumps. Uh, that was my jam, uh, scary mm. stories to tell in the dark. I've always loved the spookier side of life and stories like that. And actually, when I got started writing, it was in horror and short horror because I was too mm-hmm. scared to do a novel at that time. Uh-huh. Um, and I liked that. And, you know, people said that I had a knack for kind of creating these scary scenes and stuff. But I don't know. It just didn't really feel I liked it, but I found that science fiction and fantasy were more me mm. and not even like traditional fantasy either. <laughs> um, I just can't, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do a sword and sorcery kind of thing. Um, yeah. Just the traditional thing, just because that's not how my mind works. Um, with, with smoke eaters, I always described it as science fiction uh, mm-hmm. because it's in the future. There's robots, there's lasers, but then you have dragons and ghosts um so and in ash kickers you have a phoenix so that's obviously a a fantasy part so i I really can't pick and choose between science fiction and fantasy a lot of the times uh besides daughters that's that's really science fiction but it's the kind of science fiction it's like the 80s um cult movie kind of science fiction right i love kind of the the dark gritty um, yeah dark gritty Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be bleak necessarily, but just, I guess that, that fun, I don't, I'm not the type of reader and I'm certainly not the type of writer who really wants all the science. The science is great. And if you make Mm -hmm. it interesting, Hey, awesome. I'm there, but I, I I don't, and some people like that kind of thing and that's cool. But for me, I, I'm just there for the story. Uh, the science fiction is just, is just a backdrop. It's, it's yeah. the frame in which to tell the story. And it's cool. I'll, you know, I love lasers and spaceships and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading Snow Crash by oh, Neil yeah. Stevenson right now. First time yeah, I've read it. It came out in like, what, 92? So I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I like that kind of thing. I'm like, yes, this is my jam. Uh, I, I, I liked Neuromancer, but I really couldn't quite get into it because it seemed a little too serious. Yeah. Um, and Snow Crash is kind of like, the anti-neuromancer in, in a way and it's way more my kind of thing yeah and that well, was a that, long answer for your question so, well what i'm hearing is that you're passionate about telling stories and reading stories and what i picked up on in the middle of there is there was a time when you didn't believe you had it in you to write more than short stories and i'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious 
like how that transformed for you? Was there something a key to unlocking that? Yeah. When my son was born uh, in 2013, I -hmm. took a whole month off from the fire department. And I hadn't really been reading a lot uh, around Mm -hmm. that time. I was too busy, you know, with all the fire stuff. That was my focus and working out and exercise and all that crap. (laughs) And so I was like, you know, I need to get back into reading. And I Mm -hmm. picked up 1984, um, George Orwell. And after I read it, you know, it's one of those books that they make kids read in school. And of course, when you make kids read something, of course, you know, it could be the greatest book ever, but they're going to be like, yeah, I don't want that. And I, after reading it, I was like, this is awesome. And like, this really isn't that much harder than a short story would be, at least in my mind. And I said, I could totally do a novel. It'll take me a little longer. Mm. Um, And the querying process is really what kind of threw me off. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I was like, wait a minute. So were, they, had, were those were those thoughts kind of linked, like that you didn't want to take action until you got over like this thing about querying that you were going to have to take this follow up action after you? Yeah, wrote the and story? it kind of seems stupid now looking back <laughs> because after writing my first novel for, uh, between uh, then and now, I, I mean, when I was querying agents, it took me three years mm-hmm. and four books until I finally got signed to an agent, um, and I don't know what was going through my head why why I just didn't want to do it either being lazy or I mean then again back then I, I wouldn't even like revise I'd write mm-hmm. a story mm-hmm. <laughs> and be like yeah it's good it's good I, I'd read it over like once or twice um I wouldn't set it aside like they tell you yeah. um then again I have been published with the first draft but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you where or what but um but you get oh, better. You know? Okay, we're, we're all friends here. All right. Well, uh, amazing stories. I wrote. Now, granted, uh, this story is based in the same world and it has the same main character as uh, the novel I'm about to go on submission with, which is Robots Don't Cry. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of time getting to know the character and the and the world and everything. So it wasn't like I was just jumping in without any knowledge. So that that really helped. I'm sure. But uh, yeah, that was a first draft. <laughs> yeah, so you, you knew, but you there was a lot that you didn't have to explore anymore, right? And so you caught up in all this, right? It was this this mindset separation between or melded together, and now it's separated between if I write something, um, I'm thinking about the outcome, right? Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and has that changed for you? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how do you deal with that now? Well, it's, it's different when we talk about the outcome, I I guess is, um, and I hope I'm getting your question. Um, the the way you're, you're meaning it is when I write something, I'm intending to have it published. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. an idea when it comes, um, it'll either be a part of a bigger idea that I won't, that won't really materialize or, or mature until later uh, with robots. Don't cry. I initially had an idea for a short story uh, years ago about a, a certain thing. And, it, and I never wrote it, but I still had that idea. And then it kind of grew when I had this idea for a robot detective in mm-hmm. a nice 1940s noir kind of world and i used that same idea from that short story and and put it in the novel and made it a big uh, plot point um so yeah i always kudos to people who write just because like without i love writing don't get me wrong i mean that's the whole point i love the process of it absolutely um but i'm an attention whore (laughs) i want people to read my stuff and 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 I want, obviously I want to do this for a living and I want to get paid for it. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's what I mean when, when now I have an, an outcome in mind. Yeah. And, and I totally relate to that. I've, I've always related to that. And, you know, I can think back to when I got into songwriting, like, mm-hmm. like I knew right away I wanted to like perform these songs. I wanted to record them. I wanted people to hear them. Right. And I wanted to be able to make a living doing that. Right. Granted, 
there may have been a countless number of steps in that process in between where I learn about craft and understand what craft is Mm -hmm. and start getting feedback on what I'm doing or having some mentorship, right? And and understanding even how that works. Um, And it's all these steps that I don't know if I would have gone through with it if I had known how long of a ramp it was to actually make money with music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if someone, I mean... It would help if someone said, yeah, it's going to happen. But if they told mm-hmm. you how long it was going to take, you might yeah. go, hmm, do I really want to <laughs> put that, that much time? And it, it becomes kind of obsessive. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a game. I've, I've gamified my writing career. There's, okay. But the, on the other hand, um, that can lead to a big neuroses uh, mm. and being neurotic about it um, because there's always another step. There's always something more, you know, you mm-hmm. can have a book come out and, and people allowed it with praise and all that. But heck, by that point, you've read that book a hundred times. You've edited it. You're done with it. You're like, I want to move on to this next thing. <laughs> Let me tell you about this other thing. And I don't know if it's different in, in self-publishing because um, it's possible that you can actually get it out there sooner. Right. But like with Ash Kickers, it by the time I finished it and it got published, it was a year. And yeah, so you're totally not even emotionally attached to it. Right, anymore, it's, I'm really. done with it. Yeah, by yeah. the time, and heck, even with Robots Don't Cry, uh, I put a pause on that to write Ash Kickers. And then after I got done writing Ash Kickers, I went back, finished Robots Don't Cry. And then Ash Kickers came in to be edited so i just went back to that <laughs> and uh then i started a, uh, the call of the void which is uh my uh planetary western science fiction mm. and so by the time that my agent sent me robots don't cry with his notes and suggestions and edits yeah well hell i hadn't read the thing forever so it was completely new to me so now i can look at it and like oh this this come at it without any uh attachment to it and yeah as that's if you're, probably it that's probably advantageous, really. Oh yeah, to see it. Now, when you're first starting out, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you kind you kind of have to build this this machine, and I've kind of built this weird machine to where I always have something going on. Uh, yeah. Like we were talking about before we started, I, I even know what I'm going to write after the Call of the Void's done. Yeah. It's not completely in my head yet, but I, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what I want to do. Okay, so you're in this you're in this position where you've been through, you know, two or three rounds of having submitting something, having it approved, and having it come back. Oh yeah, right. And was there a process like for learning to take criticism for you? Like, did Just, you have like this kind of journey where you kind of maybe dreaded it or were averse to feedback, or did you always look forward to to getting that? I have two characteristics that I'm aware of. And one is that I'm very persistent. Mm-hmm. And if I have a goal or something I, I want to achieve, I get obsessive about it and I drive it and I just go, go, go until it happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I figure out what I need to learn, what I need to do in order to achieve it. However, yeah. the other characteristic is that I can't stand criticism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so... It's one of those things, and it's like getting a bad review or something, too. It sucks for a little bit, but it'll go away. And then you keep, as long as you keep your momentum going, you know, whatever you got to do. If you have to say, you know, fuck those people, I'm, you know, they don't know what they're talking about. Whatever, whatever works for you, do it. As long as you don't tell them to their face, (laughs) you know, but just that, that self-motivation is that, you know, and, and also with writing, I mean, it's always been evident to me, and I hope it's evident to most people uh, who are pursuing a, a career in writing, is mm. that rejection is just part of it. Um, yeah. I got rejected for a short story uh, just the other day, you know, and I was like, well, what the hell? But, eh, okay, move on. Send it out yeah. again. Fix it. Write something else. That is that is definitely the process. Um, so... What does a day in the life look like 
these days for you? I mean, you're, you're balancing these two careers, right? right. Um, well, it really depends. <laughs> the best days are the days that are very routine. Um, and that usually happens when the kids are in school. Mm-hmm. But uh, the shift schedule that my fire department works on, and most fire departments, is uh, one shift on, two shifts off. So 24 hours at the firehouse, 48 hours away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when I'm not at the firehouse, if my wife's at work, um, I'm going to be writing or editing, um, whatever I have to do that day. When I'm editing, I try to do four chapters a day. Um, and that melts my brain <laughs> a lot of the time. If it's a real tough chapter yeah. and like, there's a lot of stuff I have to fix in it, or mm-hmm. I don't know how to fix it at the time, I, it may take me longer and I may go, uh, screw it. Like I'm going to come back to this. Um, but yeah, typically four chapters when I'm editing, mm-hmm. when I write, I do a thousand words, Unless I'm really into it and I, I have my brand new shiny laptop uh, in front of me that I just bought. But I love the Alpha Smart Neo uh, because it's kind of like the free write, okay. uh, except it's a hell of a lot cheaper. And it's a distraction-free um, kind of thing. It has awesome tactile feedback, like a typewriter. And you could take it anywhere. Uh, it runs on like two AA batteries. It's very light. You don't have to, you know, if you break it, uh, well, first of all, you know, save your stuff, load it to Google drive, but it's very cheap. It's like 20, 30 bucks most. Yeah. And so I tried to do a thousand words, uh, but with this, it doesn't have the word count at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Cause uh, when I used to write on the laptop, the word count would be on there and I'd, and I'd get, and I'd stop and I'd look at the word count and go, Oh crap, I got 250 more words to my goal. Like, <laughs> you know? Um, and I didn't like that, but actually writing on this, uh, Neo, uh, or alpha smart, um, I could just get into it and stop and be like, well, Hey, let's see what, how many words I have written. Yeah. Does, get, that doesn't have anything naturally to kind of give you. Right. And, and you get like control away. W or something to get the word count. And then I see that I've written like 1500 words. I'm like, Wow awesome nice. you know um so i do write a whole lot more um but i've been, i've really slowed down <laughs> in my writing i used to write a thousand words in an hour mm-hmm. that was my goal it was like 170 words every 10 minutes yeah or something like that i i i, I try to gamify it and i'm glad i don't do that anymore because back then it was like i gotta get published i gotta get published mm-hmm. and now it's i want to tell a good story and i want to do it right Okay. Um, so I have slowed down a, a considerably, but Hey, a thousand words a day, uh, it used to take me an hour. Now it might take me three. Well, that's a lot of books every year still, if you do the math. I oh imagine. yeah. That's about two books a year. Yeah. And so, so you're slowing down and I know that there can be a couple reasons you slow down, right? There's, there's my inner critic keeps speaking every time I talk and I'm or write and I'm doubting myself mm-hmm. versus. So what's the shift from that to, I want to tell a good story. Like, how do you make it work for you? That's the thing um, is, and probably the reason I don't like criticism is because I, I'm never my own critic. Um, I'm hard on myself, but mm-hmm. as far as like when it's time to write, um, I just let it flow. Uh, I, I try to get into the flow state, but you know, you can't really force that kind of thing. Um, but it's good to have it in your mind about what you're wanting to do. The the thing that probably slows me down is, is not so much the inner critic, but just trying to figure out exactly how I want to, uh, say what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're in that flow, it's really easy. I've written stuff. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? I guess mm-hmm. that, that whole like thing about the muses and, and Socrates is Damon. Or yeah. It might've been Aristotle and one of them, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's awesome when that happens. Um, but it's just a matter of, you know, sitting down and saying, you know, Hey, I, I think about my, I have ADD. So when I'm away from my writing, I'm actually constantly thinking about it. Like, Oh, what if this happens and oh hey this is the reason this person acted this way and what if you know and you, yeah. i'm constantly thinking about it that sounds really helpful as oh, a treat. yeah that's why i'm like not too sad about it <laughs> uh i've always daydreamed um 
and and my son has the same thing, which you know I'm really not worried about because I think that he would, he loves stories just like me, and maybe he can have a career uh, telling us telling stories for a living um, like yeah. I do. So it's really I'm trying to. It's hard to tell people that though, because an, an, having an inner critic is so individual and so personal, and mm-hmm. there, there's a usually a deeper reason because of it. Okay. So I'm definitely not going to try to be a therapist and like you know solve that. But I can describe what for me. I just sit down and I say I know what I want to do. I get into I, music is awesome. Um, mm. I always try to pick music that goes along with the world i'm writing so with robots don't cry it was dark noir jazz um like the la noir soundtrack mm-hmm. or with the call of the void it's all spaghetti western music um so ennio morricone uh yeah all those yeah that's it gets you in the zone uh so to speak and it's i'm for me it's always been very very easy to put myself in the world i'm creating because I've done it since I was a kid. Okay. Um, I always dreamed about writing movies or stories and books and like I, you know, playing with different things. And now I'm doing the same thing. It's just I'm putting words on the page to tell others what is going on upstairs. Yeah. And so I'm changing tack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in Smoke Eaters, you're, you're writing about an older protagonist yes. right, who's nearing retirement age. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that in a lot of stories, right, there's there's a leaning towards young adult, new adult characters in these science fiction and fantasy genres. Right. So what, like, how does this work as far as making a decision to write a story with an older protagonist, especially when um, you're pitching to traditional publishing with your stories. How does that conversation go? Well, I can tell you that an editor didn't get it uh, or didn't buy it because they didn't think that the market would uh, read about a septuagenarian uh, mm. or sextagenarian. Well, he's nearing 60. They didn't they yeah. didn't think uh, that anybody would want to read about an old dude, um, which I, I, it really confused me. Um, mm. because I thought that I was tired of seeing, uh, younger protagonists, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, every, everybody does it. I just wanted to do something different. And uh, it wasn't just that, but because, uh, I'd been going through a second round of fire Academy because I moved to a bigger city. Um, so you crossed, felt like the older guy. Well, I wasn't the older guy, but it, I did wonder like, you know, wh- what would, it'd be like for someone who was older to have to go mm. through all this crap again. You know, they'd, they'd have yeah. a real not give a shit attitude <laughs> because it's like, I know what I'm doing y'all. I'm just having to do this, having to go through the motions. Um, yeah. And also old man's war was such a great book to me. Mm. And the uh, main character in that was in his seventies. Granted, he got a new body um, to go fight aliens across the cosmos, but I thought, you know, if Scalzi can do it and that worked very well, you know, let's try it. A lot of my yeah. stuff is just me going, fuck it, let's let's try it. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I think that's when you talk about fearless storytelling. I yeah. think that's just it's like don't if don't worry about what other people think. Um, if you think it's a good idea or it's it's it, it's something and you goes, hey, you know what? That sounds kind of cool. Go yeah. for it. You know what, what's yeah. the worst that could happen? Well, the worst that could happen is that nobody bought my manuscript and I quit trying and stopped writing stories because I failed the first time. Well, but that's the thing that that's that's on you. <laughs> it's you know <laughs> is that you got to keep trying um, and and you'll develop. Um, and I, I'm saying you as a proverbial all inclusive. No, I get you. it. Yeah, and you're welcome but, to it. Take it to me personally that way. Our <laughs> listeners don't think you're talking about them. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it's that you know, if you develop that kind of attitude toward your writing to where you're, mm. you there's something to being uh, what am I trying to say? When you don't judge yourself and criticize yourself and you allow what's in you to pour out, Mm. Um, I really believe that you open a doorway to your subconscious. 
Mm. And I think that's, you know, we talk about muses and stuff. I think that's really what it is, is your subconscious. Right. I mean, the, someone did a paper or study that said, um, well, people thought God was, were, was talking to them because right. uh, they would have thoughts <laughs> in their head. And I guess like humans back at a certain point in history, um, their brains didn't have the connection between lobes or something like that um, to where they could not discern their own voice in their head between Mm. an outside entity. So, yeah. And so that's what I really, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very fascinated with conscious and subconscious and all that. And especially how it relates to, hell um like the occult and magic and things like that because i think it's really it's just an archaic form of therapy and connecting the subconscious and i think when you sit down and you write and you really just say if you if you if you leave everything else outside and it's just you and your work and your world uh and being a fearless storyteller, um, you really open that door to your subconscious and you really let all the things you want to say and, and the thoughts that you've had since you were born mm. um, come out. Um, that's that's awesome stuff. And, and then you'll go yeah. back, especially when you're editing, and you'll either say, what the hell, I wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> or you'll see how this thing connects to this thing in the story and it all kind of goes together and and. And you know that you didn't do that. You didn't, yeah. I mean, some people might, you know, outline, but y- you didn't say, oh, I want to do this because it connects to this. It just happens. Yeah. It just happens. It yeah. just happens. Well, this is, it sounds like you're suggesting that developing a relationship with your subconscious may make you a better writer or have a, um, a more joyful experience with writing. Um, Absolutely. And I know I did a, Somebody gave me a free hypnotherapy session, which oh, nice. I did last week, and they explained the model of the mind. And And I know from having been a yoga teacher and teaching yin and restorative yoga and knowing about the relaxation response, which was studied in the 70s, that these are all tools to get your active mind to relax enough so that you're aware of the next level down. Yes. Right? Yeah, and it's like this gatekeeper, these walls. And so... Um, Heck, it wouldn't I be know, a bad idea to meditate before you write, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, you could try it and let me know how it goes. It sounds... <laughs> <laughs> Though, for me, writing is kind of like my meditation, so... Yeah, I think that's fair. And probably once about you get... If it's anything like the relaxation response, then about 10, 12 minutes in, it probably gets easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the more you do it and, and you get in that flow. Um, as far as, like... When people ask me, you know, do you ever get writer's block? I don't. I get writer tired <laughs> mm. <laughs> to where, you know, I, I and sometimes I, I try to push myself and see, but there's sometimes it's like I, I just I know it's going to it's going to suck. And I don't like when people give the advice in in the whole have to thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I always try to if if. I don't even like to call it advice. I just like to tell people what works for me. And yeah. if that resonates with you, awesome. But I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Um, but I, I hate when people try to tell other writers or baby writers or up-and-coming writers that they have to write every day. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I don't write every day. I can't. I've got kids. I've got another job. If I go into work and we get a fire... Um, I may write later, mm-hmm. but more than likely, I won't. I know Scott Lynch. I even like talked to him about it on Twitter uh, a long time ago, uh, back when he was still uh, a volunteer firefighter. Was that you know if he had a fire, he'd go home and take a glass of whiskey and some aspirin, and, and, and there would be no writing that day. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of the benefit of volunteers is they can go home and get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm there till seven o'clock the next morning. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, I can't write when I'm tired. Um, but a lot of times I found that, it, and I feel bad about it. That's, that's where the whole neurosis thing comes mm-hmm. in. And, uh, I know that's something I want to work on, on myself, but I've, okay. I've seen that the times I say, I, you know, I just can't write today. I'm too tired. My brain just does not want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll go away and I'll take a nap or chill out. And then I'll get this awesome idea for what to do for the ne- the scene I'm about to write. Right. So it's like this weird like synchronicity or serendipity to where, well, what if I push myself? You might uh, not have had I that might idea. Not have, exactly. I might not have gotten like, and maybe that's like your, your subconscious kind of telling you, hey, I, I, I need some time here uh, to yeah. work this out. I, I promise I'll. I'll do it and I'll get back to you. So I guess, yeah. you know, don't, I, my advice would be don't beat yourself up. If you don't write every day, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. As long as you keep a momentum, I think that's right. great. There's, you know, don't quit, finish the book, but don't worry about how long it takes. So where did you, you keep talking about persistence and mm-hmm. where did you learn persistence? Oh Lord. Um, I guess that's always kind of been an innate quality. I've had, and I hope that doesn't sound cocky, but it's just, it's true. No, um, it just might be, yeah, yeah. Maybe in your childhood, it wasn't. It's, taken I mean, out of you. I, granted, I, I've read. I, I have this weird thing where I really like certain self-help books. Mm. <laughs> I just, I just like the, the idea, and uh, Napoleon Hill is really good. Um, he, he. he has written a bunch of uh, guys long dead. I mean, this is back in like twenties or thirties when most okay. of his books came out, but, uh, it, the whole positive thinking movement and all that. Um, I don't believe in everything, but the, most of the principles that they have are pretty solid. And the whole thing about if you have a goal mm-hmm. and you, and you know, for a fact that you want to pursue it, well, go for it, you know, and if things don't work out or they change, Hey, whatever, shift focus, you know, just keep going, keep moving forward. And it also helped, you know, being on Twitter and stuff and seeing other writers and stuff and, and, uh, people telling their stories and, and how they kept going. And there's this mm-hmm. very false, um, idea about traditional publishing that you have to be in the click or you have to, you know, know people or, you, 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 besides your writing, there's some outside thing that, that not everybody has. And that's right. complete bunk. Um, because I did it, <laughs> you know, I just, I just, I said, look, I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to write book after book after book because I knew I was going to get better. Um, yeah. and so I just, I just kind of realized that persistence is the only way to succeed. Um, right. so I just kind of, uh, I think, like I said, I had it innately, but once I consciously knew that that was really the driving force behind every success, um, Hmm. well, some people have it landed in their lap, but I really believe that people who, uh, work hard and push and, and don't stop and really just love what they're pursuing, what they're doing. So like for me, writing, um, it'll happen. It, It has to. And I just decided, you know, it'll either happen or I'll die. <laughs> and I'll have a hell of a lot either, of Either way, way, you're writing. Either way, yeah. you're writing and, and you're creating yeah. something. I mean, how many people, you know, they they wake up, they go to a job they hate, they come home tired, and they go to sleep, and then they do it all over again. Yeah, and so, I'm, okay. So, you've maybe you've done this in the past, right, before mm-hmm. your child was born, you know? Yeah. And, and so, what does it feel like? What's to to be writing if you remember what it felt like to not be creating all the time. Well, I, I couldn't what imagine. shifted for you? Um, yeah. I mean, when, when he was born and, um, it just kind of clicked because before that I'd, I'd been writing short stories and stuff and I really, mm-hmm. I had a few published and stuff, but nowhere like big. It was all either, you know, Hey, here's a free copy of the thing that you're in mm-hmm. and that's it. So no payment. Yeah. Um, or the pay was very, very, very minimal, which granted, you know, you shouldn't do it for the money. Um, but I, I couldn't imagine um, not doing it because it, it's it's so fulfilling. It is such a mm. joy. Um, I, I really love Ray Bradbury's outlook on writing. 
Um, and it's, and it's one I really, uh, relate to in that it's just, it's just, it's so, it's, it's a joy. It's yeah. a pleasure to do it. I, I can't imagine granted, you know, there are times where, it, where like you're editing or something and, and you can get frustrated, but that's so rare for me because it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm a published author. I'm, I'm doing this, you know, people are going to yeah. read this and it's just, it's, it's exciting. You're creating so what characters. Is, what is worth. that joy worth? Everything. It's priceless. Right. Honestly, and so, yeah. so I guess even if you don't make money with it or a lot of money with it, right, you're you're giving yourself something priceless that you didn't even need money from anybody else yeah, to have a, that experience, right? It's, it's like, a form of therapy for me. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I totally support uh, the mental health field. My wife's going into it. Mm. Um and and we go to a therapist and but some people can't afford that. Yeah. And so I think writing is a great uh, alternative option. <laughs> right. Kill your de- kill your demons. Kill your, your demons. demons, or at least explore them. Get to know them. Once you get to know yeah. your demons, you know you, you you're not scared of them, or they they can't. Yeah, you know, maybe they're not demons. Maybe they're not. And uh, that's oh, that's a whole other subject we could talk about, Ethan. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, it's just, it's, it's like cleaning out a, your closet, your, your mental closet. It's like, it feels like a weight's lifted. Oh my God. When I get my writing done for the day mm. and it's early, like, so if I go into the firehouse and it's, it's a calm day and there's not much to do. And I said, well, I'm going to sit down and write. And I sit down, I get my thousand words in and I have the whole rest of the day to do whatever yeah. I want. It's, it's amazing. I'm like, yeah. I've done it. <laughs> yeah. But if I don't, it's always hanging over my head. So that's kind of the catch 22. Yeah, I notice. I notice. I get a little grumpier off when I'm haven't been creating for a while. Yeah, so it it helps me get back in the chair just to know that I function better and I'm more jo- joyful to be around and enjoy enjoy my day a lot more. Yeah, but I get grumpy when I, could, I don't get to read either. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have that problem right now. Oh, really? I've got got too much to read. Maybe. Well, I definitely have too much to read. I can't stand when I'm trying to find that book, you know. And you're, and you're mm. saying, well, let's try this, and it's, oh, I'm just, I'm just not into it. And you, I feel bad. Like I feel physically bad because oh, to <laughs> stop like, reading a book. Yes, oh, I know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just weird, but it's like I want to I like this, that. but I, I just. I don't care. I don't care what happens. I don't care about these people. I don't like the writing style, whatever it is. Mm. But once you do find that book, it's like, oh, thank God. It's like a drug addict finally <laughs> getting their yeah. face. Uh, I'm having some of that experience right now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. it's nice. And and, and I hate I love... it when, it, when it's a friend's book. Because mm. um, you I, don't I, like. <laughs> well, well, I like the friend, but I might not yeah. like their book. And then, well, I'm not going to tell them um, because, you know, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I would rather tell, I would rather somebody tell me, I, hey, man, I just, I never got around to it, um, yeah. but I'll try. And really, I guess that's truth- part of that criticism thing, maybe, right? Like, yeah, and, I mean, and, and, you know, you don't like to take criticism, but you put yourself out there anyways. And yeah. do you, um, so speaking of just a round trip on this whole criticism thing, right? Yeah. And so Smoke Eaters was rejected. You mentioned it was rejected. Mm-hmm. And yet it did find a place to land and it is on the bookshelves at Barnes and Noble, right? Exactly. So like this is I guess there's a story that's not a point of view that's not commonly out there and told. And with persistence and belief and craft it did find a home. So how did it, how did it land? Yeah. And all it takes is one. Yes. Um, and uh, ah, yeah. yeah, actually, uh, so daughters of forgotten light, who, which is also published by angry robot. Uh, mm-hmm. I wrote that before smoke eaters. Okay. And I actually, that was out on submission for like a year and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. and I took that time to write smoke eaters and everybody rejected it. Um, and I, I mentioned the one dumb reason that an editor rejected it. M- most editors didn't give reasons, or if they did, I, I don't even remember. Um, right. And it, it really didn't matter. My whole thing is like, if it's a no, okay, whatever, it's a no. Let's move on. I don't want to know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd rather just be like, oh, maybe it wasn't just, it just wasn't your thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Angry Robot. So Angry Robot had Daughters of Forgotten Light. And 
we hadn't heard from them about it. But uh, my agent at the time uh, sent them smoke eaters as well. And then mm. Michael Underwood, uh, who I'm good friends with and was before I even got published, uh, he read smoke eaters and he was uh, reading submissions for them at the time. He was uh, helping with the commissions mm-hmm. and um, he, he loved it. And he said, uh, Hey, you know, can you give us a couple synopses of maybe some future books and make it a mm-hmm. series? And I was like, um, uh, <laughs> hold on. And I just pulled some stuff out of my ass, uh, for ash kickers and a, um, third book, which I don't even know what I'm going to call. I think mm. for the synopsis I sent them, I called it like fire killers or flame tamers. or I don't even know what the hell I, it's not going to be any of those. I just don't like them enough. Um, I have an idea for, for a title, but I, it's not really in the same vein as smoke uh, eaters. Not, not two, not two words. Well, it, it, it is two words. I'm funny. thinking of calling it modern nights or future nights. Uh-huh. Um, cause the whole, the whole reason I even got this idea was when I was in fire Academy for the second time, one of the instructors was talking about how firefighters are uh, the knights of modern day. Right. Um, and I also went and saw uh, a kid, in, not a kid in King Arthur's Court. That's an old movie. But um, the kid who would be king. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. And I'm sad that it wasn't as popular uh, as, as it should be because it was an awesome movie. And I loved the whole idea of, of the chivalric code and people, you know, standing up to evil and, you know, helping people and that kind of thing. So, um, but back to, (laughs) I went off on a tangent on the title. Um, So I obviously, I've always loved Angry Robot and I was secretly hoping that they would pick up the book. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously I would have been cool with Orbit or Tor as well. Um, But I really thought that uh, Angry Robot uh, their their style and what they liked would really match mm-hmm. up with it. And uh, it turned out they did. And I was really hoping after I sent in the synopses that they would be like, okay, we're going to buy it. And sure enough, they did. Um, cool. Of course, you know, it's weird looking back at your writing career and stuff. At the time, like when you're waiting on word on when you're on submission, oh God, it's hell. Or querying an mm-hmm. agent, you know, you think, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is taking forever. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not patient. I am not patient. I've, I've had to learn patience uh, becoming a writer. Right. Um, so you're learning by doing. Yeah. That yeah, That's pretty much my whole thing, Ethan, is learning by doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they so, picked it up and then they came back um, after Smoke Eaters came out and it, it was doing very well. And they said, hey, um, we've got Daughters of Forgotten Light here mm. um, that you your agent had sent us. Um, but we're also wanting to publish the next smoke eaters book. So which one would you like us to publish? And of course my agent oh, at the time, that's a good news conversation. To have. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. my agent was like, well, how about both? And they're like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Daughters is kind of like that, that book that I, I had been carrying a flame for. Um, it, it just, mm. I, it was very, very personal and I was very, very angry when I wrote it. And it was just one of those books is like, no, I know this is good. I know it's different, but I know this needs to be published. And I, and it's, it's, it was really close to my heart. Smoke Eaters is too. Um, but, but it's I'm, not that story. Yeah. It's not that thing. Now, especially when you're told no for something that you believe in. Oh yeah. Enough times. Oh yeah. It's kind of like, when you know, if like you sat there and you struck your forearm with a ruler, you know, yeah, yeah. it hurts. But after you keep doing it, the way the body reacts is to release uh, dopamine and endorphins or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you whacking yourself with that ruler doesn't hurt. As, or getting a tattoo is a great example. Yeah. It, it hurts at first, but after a while, you don't, you don't feel it. And that's the same with rejection. <laughs> or you go numb and just start drinking so you don't feel it. But Hey, whatever works. <laughs> maybe it doesn't. Yeah. I, that that thing with the ruler reminds me of when I took was taking karate lessons and training for sparring, and they'd whack you with a bamboo stick. Oh yeah, like, on your limbs, right? And 
because ostensibly you wouldn't feel it as much or you won't flinch, I guess. Mm-hmm. But of course, and they say you won't bruise anymore. That part's a lie. You, you don't, it yeah, always hurts you, and it yeah. always bruises. You just maybe don't overreact to getting hit. Because you're used to it. You, yeah, you don't stop you've just done because it before. you got hit. You keep going. Yeah. yeah. Repetition is definitely a, a, a good thing um, in that regard. Um, and I had a thought, but I just lost it. It was it's gone <laughs> into into the ether. <laughs> oh, I, I know what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, talking about you know the whole self help books and all that bullshit, but um, yeah, a lot of things <laughs> these little uh, idioms or, or little sayings that uh, they have. But this one is very true: is that once you cross and pass through your fear, mm. um, it, it won't bug you. You know, once mm. you cross, or I guess that's kind of how I, I always viewed the whole rejection and writing thing is that, you know, yeah, it's going to suck at first, but you know what? Just do it. And then after you do it, it, it it's not as big of a deal um, yeah. as if, you know, it's it's bigger in your head uh, yeah. than it is in, in reality. And I guess it doesn't hurt like being validated as far as you see that other people are getting published. It's right, not like it's an, uh, an insurmountable challenge. Yeah, it's not Thousands like they only other people have done it, right? Right, they don't just publish three books a year hmm. <laughs> total in the in the whole of publishing. You know, um, if you've got a story to tell and you're passionate about it, and and you know, fuck it, just send it out. You know, yeah. do it, just do it, pull, just do it. Pull a Nike. That's awesome. Well, Sean, I think that's a perfect place to leave it, and. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Ethan, thanks so much for having me on. I I love talking about this stuff. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.